<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> All right. So you ready? Let's do it. All right. Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm one of the hosts, Spooky Bruce. Joining me, as always, is the inspiration for Cocaine Bear, but not in the way you might think, Horror Ryan. First off, I've been a Diet Mountain Dew bear all my life. No one's giving me a shit. No one's giving me a shit. No one's giving you Jesus a shit. Jesus Christ. No one's giving a shit. I've been Mountain Dew bear, but all of a sudden I'm a cocaine bear. Everyone loses their, their minds. minds. Yeah. How are you? I am all right. Doing school. Good. Hey, yeah. that's good. Yeah. And I forgot, this is the crew keepers. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> a horror... Oh, my God. A podcast where we... Completely forget our lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look at uh, uh, the HBO anthology <laughs> series, Tales of the Crypt, and the EC comics that inspired it. This week, we'll be taking a look at episode 13 of season three, Spoiled, based on a story from Haunt of Fear number 26. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm great, Bruce. <laughs> How are you? School? I'm all right. School. Yeah. yeah. School. Yeah. Work for we, me. We got a uh, we get an Xbox Series X Ooh. a couple weeks ago. And uh, so Grace got me this game called Judgment, yeah, which is um, a spinoff of the Yakuza series. I've heard those are really good. Yeah, they're really good. They um, uh, the Yakuza series uh, fluctuates wildly, breakneck between uh, ultra serious, yeah, and just wacky, right, right. And uh, Judgment so far, I'm like eight hours into it, has been just completely like just dead serious. Oh, right, just dead serious. Right, and then. I took a side case because you're a you're a former lawyer who's become a private eye. Ooh, that's right? cool. Yeah, and so you do a lot of investigation type stuff, like having to follow people and like um, um, like you use a drone to kind of survey people and stuff, or yeah. like investigate crime scenes. Um, there was a, mi- a side mission I took where someone was stealing women's underwear off clotheslines, as you do, as you do, using a drone, right? I, I mean, and so you you have to. Um, uh, find it, go buy a similar pair of underwear, hang them on the clothesline, and then when they're they're stolen, yeah, right, you track down the guy who steals them, Ooh. and uh, so you track him down to a rooftop, and it's this dude. <laughs> this is the most absurd thing I've ever experienced in a video game. He's crouched down, sniffing the the underwear. Oh God! Right, and so you confront him, like, "Hey, you're gonna go to prison because you're a weird pervert who's stealing women's underwear." Right, and he calls himself Professor Panty. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm not going to prison and pulls out another pair of underwear. And he says they're from some Japanese idol. Okay. Right. And he sniffs them and he gets superpowers from <laughs> sniffing them. <laughs> Professor Panty? Professor Panty. He gets like, he's like, I've give, I'm giving her fuchsia, her fuchsia powers. He starts like glowing a fuchsia color. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Sounds like your character play had some cocaine. <laughs> yes, That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and before this, the whole the whole storyline was about uh, uh, different yakuza having their eyes gouged out 
and being left for dead in alleyways. In life, you need balance. Yes. <laughs> if anything, that game is teaching you that. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Sure. Um, I am. Pl- well, I just finished Metroid Prime Remastered. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm in the middle of uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I've been playing that for like the last yeah. couple months. Yeah. Absolutely loving it, but Nintendo decided to drop. A, just shadow drop Metroid Prime a remaster out of nowhere. Yeah. They did it at a direct. They're like, hey, by the way, Metroid Prime's getting a remaster and it's out, it's out today. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. So, um, played it. I haven't played that in 20 years, but it's still amazing. Yeah. It's just so good. Uh, the fam watched me play it and they're like, this is dope. I'm like, oh, cool. Listen, Metroid's the shit. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. But I only have played, you know, I think that might have been the last uh, game I played. Prime was that was on the Q, uh, GameCube? Yes, yes, that's the last Metroid game I played. I ha- my favorite in the series is the newest uh, side-scrolling one, yeah. which is uh, Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. That's in my probably top fifteen games of cool. all time. But cool. I love Metroid. Um, but the uh, biggest new, you know, we usually talk about movies that we've seen. Yeah. Well, uh, Natalie and I, we drove down to Lexington to watch the premiere of Cocaine Bear. Yes, at like at the Kentucky Theater. Yes. Yes. Um, which I'm not I wasn't aware of, but is a historic yeah. um site, really. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of movies down there. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like you stepped into the 1930s. Yeah. kind of thing. And um we got to meet the inspiration mm-hmm. for the movie. Yeah. The actual Cocaine Bear was there. Yeah, he wears a uh, he wears a hat and has a gold chain. Yes, he does. It's a, it's a black bear. It's a, it's a lot smaller than you think it would be. Yes, yeah. there's only like a hundred. I think they said 175 pounds. Yeah, but uh, I mean, no spoilers. I highly recommend it if you like horror comedies akin to Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, then you're gonna love this. It's essentially. Because uh, in 1985, the bear a bear accidentally digested cocaine, mm-hmm. died. Yeah, that's the story. Mm-hmm. But this is what if instead of ODing, <laughs> it just went on a rampage looking for more cocaine. Right. Um, and Natalie has been so hyped for this movie for so long because she's like, it's just so bonkers. Yeah. And we went down there and we did a hard style uh, photo. Yeah. You know, grasping each other's hands in front of the bear. <laughs> it was just sick. And we saw the movie. It was amazing. Absolutely love it. Nat gave it a 10 out of 10. Nice. She absolutely adored. I looked over and she was just God smacked the, the whole movie. She's like, oh. I had so many friends go down there. Really? To see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was dope. Um, My timeline is just full of pi- uh, pictures of people who went down there to see it. Well, the thing is, I think is kind of ironic and funny about it is Nat got tickets because she was like, oh, this is playing at this theater uh-huh. and the bear's going to be there. I'm excited. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Let's do it. And then, like, the next day, she's like, by the way, I just realized it's in Lexington. Yeah. Which I didn't know. And which it just isn't a huge deal because what is it, like an hour, hour 20 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that away from where we are. So it wasn't a huge deal, but it was great. We got to go um, take pictures with the bear. There's a whole bunch. They were hyped for this, too. The crowd <laughs> was wild. Yeah. For everything that happened in the movie and highly recommend it. It's, it's a great time. Yeah. For sure. Um, have you been watching anything? Uh, geez. I, I've been going through that series I talked about last time, the battles without honor and humanity. Yeah, yeah. So I got I got through the second one, which has the best name for a death metal band ever. Ooh. Someone needs to pick this up. Okay. Hiroshima Deathmatch. That limits where you could tour. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> but that's dope. That's... No, no. It, uh, if you yeah, Hiroshima is still around. No, I'm go. saying you can't tour there with that name. Oh, no. You, yeah. They probably would not let you tour there. But you know what? They probably wouldn't know because you'd be a small death metal band in Kentucky or wherever. Hey, yeah. yeah. 
still. <laughs> I remember uh, one of the first bands I was ever in, I was in a punk band in high school. We were called Angst. Yeah. Oh, that was because yeah. we were teenagers. We yeah. were angsty. Yeah. And um, one of our song titles was uh, HPD, Hockey Puck Death. Because <laughs> during one of our first practices, news came out of a person who died from getting hit in the head with a puck. Oh. Which is why there's netting around the goal yeah. nets now. Yeah. Uh, like be- behind, the, behind the glass. Yeah, behind yeah. the glass. Um, and so we, we made a song to commemorate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, who is that? Um. Who was that band that did Hey Man, Nice Shot? Uh, Radiohead? No, it wasn't Radiohead. I don't well, I know. Anyway, you know the song I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? That's actually about a Pennsylvania politician killing himself live on TV. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. seen it. Oh, yeah. I've seen it, it too. It is yeah. wild. Yes, it is. Oof. And it turns out he was innocent. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that like kicks you in the gut about yeah. that story for sure. So I saw this thing uh, years ago. They did a study of children who watched it. Oh, really? Yeah, because what happened was it was a snow day in most of the state. And so a lot of the kids were home watching TV that day and they cut to his, he, they, he was doing a press conference and he was, they thought he was just going to resign. Right. And so he killed himself on live TV and they did a study of kids who watched it versus kids who don't watch it and their, uh, their types of humor. Oh. And so the kids who watched it have a darker sense of humor than the kids who did not watch it. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but speaking of wild wild yes this episode is highly entertaining i hope you like sexual innuendos yes and <laughs> yes lots of sexual double entendres in this oh yes lots of freudian kind of language and i wrote a bunch of them down <laughs> this is this episode is quotable to the max like, if I was going to pick out, other, it would be very difficult to pick out a line of the episode. Right. It, it, I can't remember what season. I think it was season two, I think, mm-hmm. where there was the episode of the uh, older gentleman who retires. Yes. And he's a taxidermist, and he starts getting into taxidermy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the same flavor as this? Oh, that's the, that's the very end of the first episode, of the first season. Oh, it is? The very last episode, yeah. Yeah. Um, same flavor. If you like kind of very campy yes with you know mad scientists mm-hmm. weird double entendre sexual you yeah. type thing this is right up your alley by the way i didn't realize this and one of my buddies uh, our friend richard sent me a clip of it their day there is a rap video on the at the somewhere in the, the special features for season three on the dvd i mean you're like you I know that there was a, a rap, there's a rap song and a video with it. I've seen that, yeah. but I didn't know it was on the DVD. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah, That's I was awesome. like, where the hell did you find this? He's like, it's on the special features. It's like, well, shit. Right. Uh, <laughs> last Christmas. I don't ever look at special features. Right. I love special features in movies. I'll I, There's a bunch of movies I will watch. Um, anything with, anything Sam Raimi has done Yeah. or he has commentary for, he's super, he's so good at audio commentary. Sometimes um, I just don't want to know how the sausage was made. Yeah, I like to keep the illusion. Yeah, I I don't know. Me and Nat both really like looking behind the curtain, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we like yeah. seeing like how things were done. And um, one thing that we've been watching lately because we've been so busy, we've only seen a couple episodes. Was the movies that made us? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're doing horror movies. Okay. And I learned so much about the original Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah, it's great. Can I give you yeah, some tidbits? Go, yeah, please. 
Okay, do you remember that uh, in the original Friday the 13th, there's a character who gets an arrow in the eye? Yes. That's Bing Crosby's son. <laughs> and because this is so fucked up, they had interviews with him, and they had interviews with Tom Savini and like everyone who was associated with the movie. Yeah. And uh, when they did that prosthetic, mm-hmm. the fake blood that was used at the time, one of the key ingredients was Kodak film liquid. Oh. Like the liquid you dip, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. I guess yeah. film into to, to, to process it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah process. Uh, and it got in his eye. Oh. And he was blind in that eye for six months. Oh my God. He had to go to the emergency room and they were like, yeah, we just hope you'll gain your sight back in that eye. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. And now that I see that, I, like, I mean, he didn't see it, but <laughs> I mean, you know what? It was 40 years ago. He's over it now. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, he did interviews and stuff and he was like, yeah, I'm just really glad that that all worked out. And then I realized like, oh, that's Bing Crosby's that's, fucking son. That's, that's crazy. So weird. Um, also, I realized um, it's some Betty Palmer. Is that the woman from Friday 13th part one? Betsy Palmer. Betsy. Yeah. The actress, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, no, I mean, spoilers. I mean, it's forty years old, but Jason's mom. Jason's mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she apparently did this role because her mechanic bill was too high. Yeah, she just wanted to get her a brand new car. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And in interviews, she's like, "I don't want to be in this piece of shit." You know? <laughs> and it was funny because one of the actresses was like, "We were, you know, kids. You know, we were just trying to get in the business, and we realized." No one's going to see this, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, little do they know. Little do they know. Little do they know, yeah. Right. But um, very excited about this week and the next episode, too. Yes. Like, these last two episodes of this season is a banger. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. Uh, so you, you want to get into it? Let's do it. All right. This is Spoiled, episode 13 of season three, directed by Andy Wolk, written by Connie Johnson and Don Ronning, starring Faye Grant, Alan Ratchens, Anita Morris and Anthony LaPaglia. Janet is a soap opera obsessed housewife. She wants nothing more than to have the kind of passionate love she sees on her favorite show. However, her physician husband, Leon is as equally obsessed with his work. He is working to create a new anesthetic that will preserve the brain for weeks on end. When Janet has cable installed in their home, there are immediate sparks with the cable guy, Abel. Janet seems to have found the passionate romance she's been looking for. A thousand double entendres later, Leon catches Janet and Abel in the act. He then decides it's maybe time to mix things up. Bruce! <laughs> dun, dun, dun! That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, so... <laughs> You're so good at those. Um, now, a disclaimer here. I I skipped over doing any reading anything for... or writing down any notes for Anita Morris. She plays the woman in the soap opera. Fuchsia? Fuchsia, yes. Just because there was not much on her, I didn't recognize anything. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, So, but first we have Faye Grant as Janet. Uh, She was in 28 of 48 episodes of The Greatest American Hero as Rhonda. Do you remember that show? It might have been like actually before you were born. Yes, the song that's been playing in Gen X's ears every month for the past forty years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she was uh, she played a high schooler. This is weird. She played a high schooler uh, that was in the class of the main character, William Katz's character, who had the superhero suit. Yeah, that had a crush on him. 
Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, but then her, her like one of her biggest roles was she played Dr. Juliet Parrish, the leader of the resistance on the V miniseries and TV series, which you love, which I love. And she was kind of like she was showing like how it is because she was just like a scientist. Yeah. Right. Um, but she was kind of a character to show like how fascism radicalizes people even on the other side of it. Right. Right. So she became like a leader of resistance and this violent person, even though she didn't want to, she had to, to quote Stellan Sarsgaard from the new star Wars series and, or had to use the tools of the oppressor against them. Right. Right. Um, then she was on the, an episode of seventh heaven with her then husband, Stephen Collins. Yeah. Uh, I bring that up just because they end up getting a divorce. Uh, a few years ago because he came out as a pedophile. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was in the Omen 4, which is a made-for-TV movie, right? Stick to the first. Right. And then uh, then nothing else I recognize, and her last credit, at least I could find, was in 2018. She's still around, but, I mean, she's still alive. She's not, She died within the past five years. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Then we have Alan Ra- uh, Ratchins, mm-hmm. I'm say, as Leon, her husband. Uh, he started out with bit parts in, on Barnaby Jones in Dallas, and then he was in a movie called Time Walker, which <laughs> I saw a the end of this with this movie Time Walker when I was in middle school, like getting ready one morning. I turn on TV and it's on HBO, like right. five a.m. And so I did not know what the name of it was, but the ending scene was like, okay, that's cool. It's this dude who looks like his hand is burning and he's okay. screaming, and that's the end of the movie. So I was like, a few years ago, I was like, I'm gonna track this movie down. And nice. watch it. It's trash. Oh, <laughs> it's about like these uh, archaeologists. They open up King Tut's tomb and they find an alien in like a side chamber, ah. right? And uh, they're, they're it's brought back to this university and it has a fungus on it. And um, when they do an MRI of it or an X-ray, um, they find it has jewels on its head. Okay. And so someone steals the jewels and then X-rays the mummy again. So they can cover up the fact that they stole the jewels. Well, the x-rays awaken the mummy and the fungus. Isn't this the origin of The Last of Us? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so the alien goes around killing people to get its jewels back. Because so, apparently it makes like a time machine or something. Right. Right. And then like at the end, someone grabs one of the jewels and his hand that I thought was burning is actually growing with a fungus on it. Ah. So, yeah, it's trash. Uh, <laughs> then he was on 171 episodes of what it seems everyone that appears on Tales of Crypt was on, uh, L.A. Law. Yep. Yeah. He was Douglas Brackman Jr. Uh, he was the Clock King on the Batman animated series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He was in Showgirls. He was in Lois and Clark. He did a voice on Rugrats. He was on almost every episode of Dharma and Greg as Dharma's father. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, he was on the Spectacular Spider-Man as Norman's, Norman Osborn. He's had a long career. Yeah. And he's done like one off since then on like shows like Young Sheldon and NCIS. Oh. Yeah. 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 Then we have Anthony LaPaglia as Abel. Now, okay, here's the thing. I know the name Anthony LaPaglia, right? And I was like, okay, he's famous. But reading his credits, I was like, why the fuck is he famous? Like, <laughs> I know I've seen him before. Yeah. Yeah. You've definitely seen him before. But the whole time I'm like, why, why is he famous? Like, yeah. why is he like a name that people recognize? Um, so he got a start on shows like Amazing Stories, Magnum P.I., and the 80s revival of The Twilight Zone. And then I just I bring this up just because of the, the character he played. He was in a movie called Cold Steel as Spooky. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then he was in movies like Innocent Blood, which is the French vampire versus gangsters in New York movie. 
which happens all the time. Yeah, all the time. And so I married married an ex murderer, Empire Records. He played Charlie Luciano in a movie about Meyer Lansky. I know that means nothing to you, but there is a listener I know that means a lot to. <laughs> uh, he was Capone in Road to Perdition. Uh, eight, eight episodes of Frasier. He played the voice of Lex Luthor in the All-Star Superman adaptation, uh, which is considered one of the best Superman storylines ever. Why are so many Tales from the Crypt actors also in DC I animation? Think, I think it's just because DC animation has just and, and shows have just been around for so long. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until, like... 15 years ago that Marvel kind of started taking over in far in terms of like their animation and movie production. Right. Um, we have like, he was an Annabelle creation and he was in a movie, a little movie called Pearl. Oh, which I know you like. Yes. Yeah. This is a movie about a 15 year old uh, orphan girl. Who's a pr- piano prodigy who goes to live with her mom's former lover who may or not may or may not be her father. Ah, yeah. I know you love that movie. Wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Another movie called Another Pearl. movie called Pearl, okay. yes. I will not, not the take, Thai, not the Thai West movie. I will not take any any negative comments about <laughs> Pearl on this podcast, damn it. So yeah, that's who we have. That's awesome. Now Yeah, I, I I guess we'll get into this other aspect of it when we get to the comic version. Yes. Yeah, there's there some name switcheroos for some yeah. reason. Right. Yeah. Um uh, I thought that was super weird. Yeah, it was weird. There was no I, it was wasn't necessary. Well, you have to have the cable guy as Abel because he's able with the cable. Oh, Abel the cable. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> That's the whole reason. That's okay, the only reason. If you rolled your eyes during that joke, do I have something for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> your eyes are going to hurt by the end of this. Oh, yes. Yours are also going to hurt because I'm about to get real deep <laughs> into this story. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to try to annoy Bruce this whole time. No, no, you won't annoy me because, like, I've already heard all of this. That's true. You ready to get into it? Let's go. Let's do it. Once again, this is Spoiled, Season 3, Episode 13. And and I would just say, real quick, there's no reason this story, the TV episode, is called Spoiled. Yeah. I agree. It makes sense in the comic. Yeah. But not in the TV show. Yeah. We'll right. get into it. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I tried to rewind a little bit to try to see okay why is this called spoiled but mm-hmm. i just think they just took it just from the story they yeah named this episode spoiled because the original story was mm-hmm. called spoiled yeah so but and this premiered august 21st 1991 the episode opens to the crypt keeper in golf gear next to a skeleton while polishing his golf club yeah also the the frame to this the beginning and end of it with the crypt keeper in golf gear mm-hmm. makes no sense not at all. No. Not at all to, to no. the story. Yeah. It's still cool, though. He looks cute. He does look cute. And and the puppetry is amazing in, in this episode. I think this is the first season, because in the last episode, he was a bartender. Yeah. And he was, like, pouring a drink and yeah. stuff. This is the first time that um, you could say that the Crypt Keeper got on his two feet. Yes. Because he's yeah. moving, he's walking, he's yeah. making drinks, he's polishing, like, stuff. Yeah. Um, there was another episode earlier where he throws a knife. Mm-hmm. and stuff so like he's way more active yes in this season and i, I love like, it i like the idea that we're just interrupting his day yeah yeah Where he's like oh hey <laughs> how's it going i wish that there was someone that i could just walk into a room with them and they'd be like yeah. hey hey and then they tell me a story yeah they tell yeah. me a real creepy story right yeah it's fucking awesome <laughs> actually i would really like to hear the story from his mouth though hmm. i don't want to see the story i want him to go so by the way there's this chick so 
it's something that I thought of while I was watching this episode. Are these stories real or are they the stories that the Crypt Keeper made up? I think made up. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. But it's interesting because if this is a story he made up, Tales from the Crypt exists as a story within his sh- within the show. But wait a minute. Are they tales from the crypt? Is the crypt full of all the people that have died in the show? Interesting. Interesting. We're making yeah. fan fiction right now? Yeah. And who does the art in the book? You know, he always opens up a, bo- opens a book. And yes. he's like, this is a tale I got from this book. And there's always like comic art in there. Who yeah. did that? I have no idea. It's not original comic art. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, it's brand new. While he's polishing his golf club, he says, oh, don't mind this skeleton. That's Juan the caddy. He teed me off, so I shot a hole in Juan. <laughs> you know, the only thing I can think of why they went with this is because they could do double entendre puns. Yeah, probably. But why golfing? It's probably somebody woke and, up you know, and was I'm, like, hole in one, I got it. I'm getting lost in the forest here. You, you really, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He says, this story is about a woman who plays games except with love. Oh. The story opens to the TV soap opera Scarlet, Fuchsia Monroe, barging into her husband, Evian? Evian. Evian. Yeah, like the water brand. Yeah, Evian's office. While he's on a call, he's ca- he says he wants to infectuate a successful merger. Fuchsia starts to touch him from behind, saying that she wants to infectuate a successful merger with her husband. (laughs) But he shoots her down, saying this is important work. She complains that he hasn't paid any attention to her and storms out the office as, quote, decisive action must be taken. She sees Stud Quebec working and tells him (laughs) to come into her office. Yes. There's she, that pause there, that very pregnant pause. Oh, yes. Which happens when there's cum. <sighs> anyway, sorry. This is the best episode we've ever done. <laughs> she closes the blinds and says she wants Quebec. He replies, but your husband. Fuchsia says, forget him. Rules aren't for me. You're for me. And they kiss. Ooh. Ooh. The view changes from them kissing to housewives Janet and Louise watching this episode swooning as they fold laundry. And they're not just swooning. They're making like orgasm noises. Someone's coming. Yes. For sure. Janet says, that's the way you should live life. You just go for it. You don't want to waste your life like we do, sorting laundry. Louise replies, but you you have to sort the laundry. Plus, you're living the American dream. You're married to a doctor. Janet says, yeah, but he's married to his work. Stupid research. I want hot passion. I want steamy romance. Luis interrupts and says, what about danger? And Janet says, that too. (laughs) They both giggle and they sigh. Just then, Janet's husband, Leon, arrives. Janet tries to greet him romantically, but he's frustrated that a patient died overnight. He says, if only my new anesthetic were ready... We could have the impossible. We could have frozen the brain and perform the most difficult transplant. Damn. What's funny about that? She goes, how'd the surgery go? He goes, it was a success. And then the patient died. Right. (laughs) So I don't think it was a success. It was to him. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, And when he says, damn, she goes, damn. In a very, in a tone that is only reminiscent of someone who's like, doesn't care what they're saying. She doesn't give a shit what he's saying. 
Right. Leon goes on to say that he is he will be downstairs in his lab. He goes downstairs and he turns on a do not disturb light, which is just a mm-hmm. giant red light that's outside. And there's the, a reason that this light exists. Yes. Luis tells Janet to have a nice day and she leaves. Janet stares into space fantasizing. In her fantasy, Leon comes up from upstairs and he says, Darling, what a fool I've been exploring medical science when I could be exploring you. (laughs) Janet says, Well, Christopher Columbus, welcome to the new world. And they kiss passionately. Just then, Louise re-enters the house and sees that Janet is staring into space. She says, uh, Earth to Janet. Janet snaps out of it in, uh, in enough time to grab Leon's boxers that Louise accidentally took. Louise leaves, and Janet goes back to staring into space while putting Leon's boxers against her face. <laughs> which I thought was super weird. Yeah. She just like rubs it against her face. Yeah. And it's like your traditional nineties, like white with red polka dot yeah. boxers. Yeah. Or super. like, uh, were they red polka dots or red hearts? I can't. What? Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. yeah. Later in the lab, Leon says to himself, this is extraordinary with this new anesthetic. It will work far beyond anyone's expectation. Janet walking seductively downstairs in jean shorts and a white tee comes up from behind him. Leon says, what are you doing? I told you not to come in when the red light is on. Janet says, I'm trying to infectuate a successful merger with my husband. (laughs) Leon says, well, I'm trying to make medical history, which is more important. She kisses his hand as he's mixing two components to produce a red liquid. Leon says, don't you see organ transplant of undreamed of complexity can become reality. By the way, Janet is still kissing him all over. You could operate weeks at a time because the brain can still be alive. Janet says, oh, you'd love that, wouldn't you? Leon has her hold the Petri dish while he pours his anesthetic into it. Leon says, now to Mr. Cottontail's house. He's such a fucking nerd. (laughs) Janet huffs and rolls her eyes, and Leon takes the Petri dish to a little tiny house, like a dollhouse, with a rabbit inside so he can drink it. Leon says, you're going to be a very famous bunny, and Janet is unimpressed. The next day, Janet is working out while watching her soap opera again of Fuchsia seducing Quebec. Fuchsia is kissing all over Quebec's body, which is only a... uh, stopped by a black thong and Janet is enthralled. Then Fuchsia's husband, Evian shows up with a gun. I love that. There's like two stories. Yeah. Yeah. There's the soap opera story. And then there's the, you know, the the main story. Fuchsia says, don't shoot. You can't. Evian says, just watch me. Janet is on the edge of her workout machine as Evian is about to shoot. But the TV picture goes out. She runs, freaks out, and smacks the TV and says, Oh no, don't shoot. She runs downstairs into the living room TV, and as she turns it on, it says, That concludes another episode of There's Always Tomorrow. (gasps) Janet is visibly upset. Just then, Louise comes knocking at the door and explains that Evian shot Quebec in the dick. (laughs) Well, blow the belt, but it's implied that. Yeah. In the dark. In the dark. 
I'm not going to pass up a chance to say you the deal. <laughs> Janet explains that the video went off right before the shot. Louise says, and this is one of my favorite written lines and tells from the crypt history, because not only is it a response, it's an advertisement. Yes. Yeah. Because Janet explains that her video went out on our TV and Louise says, when are you going to get with the rest of us and get cable? You can get HPO. It'll improve the quality of your life. <laughs> so fucking good. You know, it's funny. It's like it, 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 getting this advertisement for HBO and cable. Yeah. While you're watching HBO, because that was the only way to watch this back in 1991. Yes. It's like getting the AMC theater ads while was, you're in a, a AMC. I fucking hate that. <laughs> I fu- seriously, it's is it Nicole Kidman? It's Nicole Kidman, yeah. Listen, can I just say a PSA? Yeah. Listen, sure. motherfuckers. <laughs> don't give me an ad for something while I'm sitting in what you're trying to push. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it doesn't. No. And I fucking hate it. No. And so, Nat knows hey. I hate it. And so when Nicole Kidman goes, because here... We are. She looks over at me. She like hey. she mouths the words. Hey, listen, dude. Heartbreak feels good in a place like that. God damn it, Bruce. <laughs> the heroes feel like the best part of ourselves. No! <laughs> He's doing the ad. Listen, get um, HBO. There's a, there's these uh, 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 drag queens called um, the Trixie and Katya. Oh, they I do saw a version it. of the, the gay MC. It's yes. hilarious. Yes, yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> Janet agrees, but says that Leon thinks cable is frivolous. Luis replies, is CNN frivolous? C-SPAN frivolous? The Weather Channel frivolous? I think not. What would Fuchsia say to Cable? Would she say it's frivolous? No. She would take, and both ladies say, decisive action. You know, I think this is supposed to be a joke about them being frivolous. Because CNN wasn't taken quite seriously before 1991. Really? And then... In the winter of 1991, the, like January, February, I don't remember exactly when, the Gulf War started. Oh, and, and that's CNN had 24-hour coverage, and that's how they put themselves on the map. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. So this is this may have been made around that time when it was still frivolous. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's <laughs> before Before it became like this, you know, world leader in news. Right. Yeah. Damn. Later on, Janet, in a black polka dot dress... Opens the door, and there is Abel, the cable guy, in a tight shirt. Abel says, hi, I'm Abel. With the cable? (laughs) Janet says, I'm sure you are. I'm glad you're here. My soap opera starts in an hour. Abel, while chewing gum, says, where do you want it? Janet says, huh? Abel walks slowly towards her and says, your box. (laughs) Janet says, "Uh, excuse me? Abel says, your cable box. <laughs> Janet nervously laughs and says, uh, I need it more than once. I, I'm sorry. I mean, I need it more than one room. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, can you do it in the bedroom? <laughs> and Abel says, no problem. Janet, almost losing her balance on the stairs, says, will it take long? <laughs> Abel replies, nah, run a line from the street. Bing, bang, boom. The second installation usually takes longer. But it's more fun if you know what I mean. Janet says, uh-huh, as she's swooning. Upstairs, Janet is super close to Abel as he's putting a male and female end of a coax cable together. Abel says, you're all hooked up. Abel grabs a large pair of wire cutters. And Janet says, 
that's quite a tool. It's, it's, it's very large. Abel says, it's not the size of the tool. It's how you use it. <laughs> I'm trying. Janet says. And that's how he talks the whole time. He talks in this. Yeah. Breathy, yeah. deep voice. Oh, yeah. Gravelly like this. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Janet says, you certainly know how to use it. How many installs have you done in one day? Abel says, 15. My Phillips. <laughs> I forgot about this line. Abel says, 15. My Phillips did so much screw and I thought the tip would fall off. <laughs> they get real close. Just as they're about to kiss, Abel's pager goes off. Abel says, duty calls. But if you have any problems, here's my direct number. Give me a call. He hands her a card and says, day or night. And remember, it's able. Janet says, as in ready, willing, and? And he goes, <laughs> you bet. So you can't see it, but Ryan just winked when he made that noise. Better believe Which it. you can't do without winking. I don't know. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that felt weird. <laughs> I just did it without winking. And, it and we, 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 kept, we kept looking each other in the eye and it got uncomfortable. <laughs> Two very close friends just winked at each other for a minute. It wasn't weird. Do you know that thing with uh, me and Chris Cochran, the Taco Bell and Toad the Wet Sprocket? No. What? (laughs) So this was years ago. This was was when uh, Inception came out. So like 2010, Mm -hmm. right? We had gone to see it. We had gone to see it. We went to see it. And then we went to Taco Bell afterwards. And we were eating our food. Yeah. And that, um, uh, that Toad the Wet Sprocket song that starts with nothing so loud starts yeah. right and we both look up from look up from our food and made eye contact and sang that like song <laughs> it's very romantic very romantic so now anytime we do karaoke together we have to do that song you have to yeah naturally that's awesome shout out to chris abel leaves and janet swoons as she turns on the cable to see her show is on of evian in prison and getting a visit from fuchsia he says why are you here i shot your lover Fuchsia says, Quebec meant nothing to me. I was trying to stir you up. Remember this? And reveals lingerie under her robe. Evian says, how could I forget? Janet says, oh, take me. And, weird enough, they start kissing with bars in between them as a guard is up two feet away from Fuchsia. Yes. It's so weird. The, 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 the guard does not sell that she just took off her robe and revealing lingerie. Right. At all. It's hilarious. You know, recently there was a, um, uh, there was a, uh, a monkey in Japan. No, not a, not a monkey. A, um, Jesus Christ. No, it was a monkey. Yeah, it was a monkey. Um, a funky monkey? A funky monkey. Well, you know what? It was a funky monkey. Um, there was a, um, a monkey in a, uh, I think a gibbon or something in a, um, Japanese zoo that, uh, got pregnant. Okay. Without any males in her enclosure. They and call so, her Mary. Yeah. And they were like, the, the officials at the zoo in Japan were like, what the hell? How did this happen? Actually, no, I just looked it up. They are apes. Um, they're like, how did this happen? Right. Then they figured out <laughs> that the male's cage was right next to it. And so they were just doing it through the bars. <laughs> But it took a little sneaky Pete. Yeah, the, the, the little sneaky Pete there. But they were like, at first they're like, how could this possibly happen? Right. <laughs> what? what? That's awesome. <laughs> Later in the lab, Leon is checking on his knocked out rabbit. 
and he dictates to himself day four of Mr. Cottontail being under sedation. Signs are stable. Just then, Janet shows up in lingerie. Leon says, what did I say about coming down when the red light is on? And she says, remember this? I wore it on our wedding night. He says, did you? Oh. Jan- we'll get to the end of the story. Yeah, yeah, My yeah, boy yeah. Leon, cut yeah. him some slack. Yeah, uh, yeah there, there is. Uh, yeah. We'll get to it. Well, his, I can't justify everything he does. I, yeah, no, we can't justify everything. And, you know, his only sin up to a point, up to a point in this episode, is just being inattentive. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. And neither of them are able to set boundaries. Or effectively communicate. Yes. That's just my opinion. Janet says, well, I didn't wear it all night. You did remove it. Go ahead. Take the night off. I have something special planned. Leon, visibly annoyed, says, go watch TV. Read a book or something. Janice says, I don't want to. I want you. Leon says, but I'm at a critical stage. And she says, well, so am I. Leon (laughs) tries to show her his revolutionary experiment to keep the rabbit in stasis. And she's still not impressed. I I do want to give a big shout out to Nat. Yeah. Because he, uh, during this scene, Uh he calls this thermal dynamic stasis Uh of the rabbit. Right. And I went, hey, babe. (laughs) Because she's a nurse. Yeah. I went, what is this, man? And she says, it is where the body temperature is lowered Mm -hmm. slowly to maintain equilibrium over time. Mm -hmm. It is possible to preserve brain function, otherwise known as a hypothermic coma. Mm -hmm. And she actually did have a story in which, um, no names, obviously. Okay. Uh, in which a uh, patient was uh, put hypothermic wraps all over mm-hmm. their body to slowly and safely lower their body temperature to where their blood moved slower huh. while the family made decisions on whether or not they wanted to. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, yeah. pull the plug, essentially. They, they use that same technique um, the only time they've been able to uh, cure someone of rabies. Really? Yeah, they lowered her body temperature to the point where the rabies could not survive, and they put her in a, a cold-induced coma, basically. Wow. Yeah, because once you get, if you get rabies and you start showing symptoms, it's a wrap. Re- I, I don't know anything about you're it. You're absolutely, you, you were done. There's nothing they can do for you except make you comfortable. Oh, my God. And, and it might take a while, too. Ooh. Yeah, there was, um, there was a case uh, in the early 2000s, I think, where um, rabies is very, very rare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, extremely rare, and um, at least in the U.S. And um, it's so rare, they don't even test for it unless someone's been known to have been bitten by an animal. Right. Um, so there was uh, there was someone who had died, and they harvested her organs, or their organs. I don't remember if it was a male or female. Yeah. Um, and they harvested their, their organs and put those organs in transplant patients, and then found out that the person actually was bitten by an animal and had rabies, so all those patients died. Within no. like 60 days. Oh, no. Yeah. God, yeah. And it, it was actually, um, it, they used it for inspiration for a, an episode of Scrubs. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, b- big shout out to Nurse Nat. Yeah. Thank you cool. so much yeah. for the, because uh, I was like, is this legit? And the thing is, even though this is a goofy as fuck episode, the science is legit. Okay. So this technique has also been used for something else we're going to talk about at the end. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Leon says, He's been like this for days. I think I can hold him another week. Janet says, you can move. You, you care more about holding Bugs Bunny than you do holding me. Janet grabs Leon, 
to get busy on a counter, but she knocks over a container of plasma. Leon gets upset, claiming that she did it on purpose, and he storms out of the lab to go get more. And Leon says, I need it tonight. And the plasma. And Janet says, well, what about what I need? She cries as Leon leaves. That night, Janet drinks over a large platter of strawberries and champagne alone. She, she bites into one uh, uh, with a devilish look. And later, there's a knock on the door. Janet says, it's open. And she's still in lingerie. And guess who the fuck it is? Uh, Leon. Abel. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Abel. <laughs> you mean the cable guy? <laughs> Come to lay some cable. <laughs> Janet explains that she needs service. And as she's tried the knobs, <laughs> but she isn't getting anything. Abel says, maybe you have a bad connection. Janet says, take a look, would you? As she leans against the wall, he investigates the TV, and Janet gets closer. Janet says, you are just like me, with a void in your life. Abel says, I do. <laughs> Th- that was the one line that he was just like, huh? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> Janet says, we're two travelers in a loveless, frozen world. Abel says, nah, my van is heated. <laughs> the company is pretty good about that. By the way, you didn't need to call me. The male and female ends were unplugged. Janet says, I hate when that happens. Don't worry about the cable. It doesn't need to be hooked up. I do. Abel, undressing her robe, says, well, your equipment is in perfect condition. <laughs> they kiss. And a montage plays of them making out. After the montage, they are getting dressed, so we're only assuming that they, you know what yeah. I mean. Janet Bum, says, bow, 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 you know, they should call him the plumber from all the pipe he's laying. Damn! <laughs> Janet says, I'd like to see you again for... <laughs> I'd like to see you again for premium channels. <laughs> I, I guess you could say I'm cable ready. <laughs> Which was an old ad Yes, uh, in the 80s uh, for people to try to get cable saying, yeah. are you cable ready? Yeah. Which is a little funny uh, sign of the times there. Abel says, sure, you've already got the box. I just got to <laughs> plug it in. <laughs> fucking love this episode dude they kiss he leaves and she sighs later she's laying on a couch eating the strawberries and drinking champagne leon comes back from getting the plasma and janet says you got anything to say leon says yeah what's wrong with the tv (laughs) janet says what that's all leon says i'm on the verge of greatness i gotta go back to work by the way call the tv repairman tomorrow and he goes downstairs Janet grabs a strawberry and says, good idea. Good idea. (laughs) The next day, Janet is kissing Abel, saying that she wants an encore presentation of last night's movie. Yeah, she says something like, uh, I I don't like reruns, so let's call this an encore presentation. Yes. Which is uh, funny because that was a famous uh, like uh, name of uh, HBO movies. Yeah, yeah. like they w- they would always say feature presentation yeah. or encore presentation. Yeah. Abel says, "What about your husband?" Janet says, "Don't worry about him. He's." And as she said, "He's." The front door opens and Leon yells for Janet. <laughs> so she says, "He's at, at the, the front, front door." door. <laughs> They both say fuck, and Leon 
yells again for Janet, and she says that she's in the bedroom. When Leon arrives, Abel is working on the TV as Janet is reading a magazine. Leon says, what's going on here? Janet says, what? You told me to call the repairman. And Abel, which this is the smuggest shit ever, he look, Abel looks at Leon and says, had to come back. We had to work out some of the kinks. <laughs> what a dick. Abel, he, He's basically a monologuing supervillain at this oh, point. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Abel turns on the TV, and this is so fucking good, dude. When he turns on the TV, guess what's on? Tales from the Crypt. He doesn't just turn on the TV. He hits it like the fawns. Of course yeah. he does. <laughs> He's able yeah. with the cable. <laughs> and it's the intro to Tales from the Crypt. Janet says, what are you doing here, honey? Leon says, I had to take a leave of absence from work in the hospital as I need to focus on this anesthetic. Janet says... So you'll be here all the time? And Abel whispers, whispers to himself, shit. <laughs> Leon says, once I'm completed with this, I'll be there for you. But right now, I'm not able. He leaves oh. and Janet says, you can say that. <laughs> that's why he's. That's why they swapped the names. Yeah. Oh, well. Just for all these puns about uh, Abel and Cable. Yeah. Abel tries to leave the house quickly, but Janet stops him, explaining that they can still fudge as Leon will be in the basement for hours. The, re the red light will turn off when he's on his way up. So they kiss and they head towards the couch, which is probably, what, eight feet away from the door? Yeah. It's uh, Listen, I'm not condoning what they're doing, but if you're going to do it, don't do it eight feet away from the from the, the basement door. Right. So stupid. You know, you, they would make noise. One would assume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she could barely contain herself during a soap opera. <laughs> That's true. The neighbors heard her during <laughs> yeah. soap opera. What's happening when? Yeah, she's actually getting, getting cable. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not. I mean, premium channels apparently. Later in the lab, Leon is dictating, saying that Mister Cottontail is still okay. Upstairs, Janet is feeding Abel strawberries. But the uh, the red light goes off, and she tells Abel to leave through the back garden. Leon arrives, saying that, that everything is still good, and hopes that she hasn't been lonely. And she says, oh, I manage. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Later, it's day 15. At, uh, least, at least at this point, he's kind of recognizing that, what? like, I'm, I'm spending too much time away from her. Yeah. Kind of. I, yeah. We'll get deeper into it, like, after, but I mean... yeah. I got my own opinions, but mm, I don't know. All right. Later, it's day 15 with the rabbit still in good condition and in stasis. Janet is kissing Abel on the couch. Janet goes down on Abel, and Abel says, yes, yes. And this segues into Leon waking up his rabbit, saying, yes, yes. <laughs> the Nobel Prize is mine. Janet. He Damn it, Janet. Yeah, he goes upstairs, but in his excitement, he forgets to turn off the red light. Oh, he walks into Janet and Abel kissing, saying how much they want each other. She's like, she says something to the effect of, uh, have my body. Yeah. 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 Uh, he winces in disgust, uh, not notice. They're not noticing him as he hears them both say, I want your body. Yeah. Then he goes down into the lab. Leon is holding the rabbit and saying, should I divorce her? No, it's too easy. I'll hurt her 
as she has hurt me. Now, during the scene, he is like losing his mind. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. flipping his shit. He's flipping his shit. And this is the only thing about the episode I did not like. His mouth is not moving when he's talking. It's oh. just a poor voiceover they do. Oh, I didn't yeah. notice that. Wow. Yeah. Good catch. I think it's he's supposed to be talking. It's yeah. just they didn't sync it up to his his actually what he was saying. Oh, um, okay. He goes upstairs again and sneaks to cover their mouths in the red in a red cloth with chloroform. They, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I was in chloroform. Yeah. yeah, they pass out and Leon says yes, yes. <laughs> in the lab, both Abel and Janet are completely knocked out on the gurneys. Leon says, first a rabbit, now humans. Actually, no, it's not. It's not chloroform. It's the anesthetic he made. I, they were. Red, it has to be. Yeah, yeah I yeah. would assume. Yeah. Leon says, first a rabbit and now humans, or should I call them subhumans? Oh. He takes a dauber with anesthetic and dips, dri- drips it into their mouths. Oh, yes. By the maybe, way, maybe not. The actors are clearly opening their mouths for this. <laughs> yeah. Like they're knocked out, but they're mo- they're opening their jaws. So yeah. he can bloop into yeah. the, like right in their mouth. And then we have a dope montage of surgery with lots of blood and shots of bloody tools. The next scene, Leon says, dictates himself, day eight, anesthetic allowed procedure and has far exceeded my hopes. Then time jump again. Leon says, day 15, subjects in place. They should awaken momentarily. <laughs> I want to know what, was hap- what else was happening during these 15 days. Right? Well, he had like, to leave absence from work. Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, Janet has her friend. Who hangs out with her and watches soap operas? Oh, you're saying like no one, yeah, had, no one cared. No to one check cared on both Abel and Janet. I mean, they would know that uh, Abel's last known location because he was driving his work van or whatever. Yeah, but that was, but that that was a midnight visit. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. I don't know, but that yeah. is kind of a plot hole. Though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. fifteen days, fifteen days, no one comes knocking. Right. Yeah, that's weird. Leon has uh, put Janet and Abel back on the living room couch where they were, and they start to awaken. <laughs> They awaking, saying hello to one another. Abel rubs his eyes and says, How long have I been asleep? Janet looks down and immediately screams. Abel says, What happened? A uh, a, a very like hilariously looking Leon. Because <laughs> he's like, he hasn't shaved. Yeah. Uh, he's got this huge grin. Like he's maniacal sweaty. mad scientist. Yeah. Leon shows up. What do you think happened? You've just made medical history together. The camera pans to reveal that Leon has swapped their heads, <laughs> so Abel has Janet's body and vice versa. <laughs> yes, dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> and actually, you know, it is uh, early '90s CGI. It's but it's really good. It's, it's so good. really well done. Yeah, it's so good. Leon says, "You've lost your heads over each other. <laughs> You've wanted each other's bodies, so I gave them to you." <laughs> <laughs> Both are shocked, and we fade to black. <laughs> this was the the twist on this was great, fucking awesome. The crib keeper, now on the eighteenth hole, says, "Well, looks like Janet and Abel have become attached." Oh, well, back not to really. Ma- well, eh, kind of, sorta. Eh. Depends how you look at it. And he says, "Well, it's back to my game." He puts a ball into a skull, and he says, well, "What do you know?" Par for the corpse. Great. <laughs> Great. And that's how the episode That's how the episode ends. ends. Yay. 
S tier episode. Yes, S tier. This was a return to camp. Yes. Yeah. I think the last episode we watched, uh, the one about the reporter. Yes. The end of it was campy. It was, but that was definitely more noir. Yes, and the one before that was more noir. Yes. And, and so, but this is, uh, and this season has been more horror, straight horror, straight crime right. than camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but this is the return to camp. This is the stuff you imagine when you think about Tales from the Crypt. When I was younger, and I, I've seen bits and pieces, and I was always really scared of the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Like the, in the opening where he jumps out of the, uh, oh, yeah. I will always hide my eyes. Like, ah, I didn't realize that there was such a huge difference between stories that they showed that were in the horror comics yeah. and the crime comics. Yeah. Because, I mean, they basically just picked and choose mm-hmm. what comics that EC Comics ever came out with. Yeah. But they had sci-fi, they had crime, mm-hmm. they had noir, they had, you know, uh, gory, they had campy. Then so many different types of stories. And this story is from Haunts of Fear. And the previous two episodes were from Shock Suspense yes. Stories, yeah. which is a crime comic. Right, yeah. And I can safely say that my absolute favorite Tales from the Crypt is camp. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I love the dark humor. I love the... It's. Just, I mean, they're making fun of soap operas, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch yeah. of commentary in it, but yeah. it's just so fucking yeah, goofy. There, there, there is some like weird commentary underlying this. Yeah, I right? mean, like, the main character essentially is trying to live her life through... Through a soap opera, and yeah. it kind of... And I, um, I'm trying not to get off on that jag here, but I guess I'm going to get off on that jag. Um, this there's like a lot of like kind of sort of a moral panic underneath of this, mm-hmm. right? That you would see in the '90s, and and oftentimes, anytime there's been a moral panic about new forms of media, um, whether it is, and this is going to sound silly, but we don't generally think of these as media, but like letter writing, yeah, or telephones, mm-hmm. or novels, right, right? or just plays. Right. Uh, this is going back hundreds of years. Right. I'm thinking about. There's always been a moral panic that's going to corrupt women. Yes. Right. So, like, uh, there was a moral panic about letter writing back in the 1800s because there was a panic that, well, we don't know who these women are going to be talking to. They could be talking to a lover. Right. The same thing with the phone. Yeah. Right. The phone is going to make women stop doing their their household duties. Right. Right. Or they're going to be talking to a lover somewhere. Right. And it, the, the, so we get into the the 20th century. And then we have like things like the phone, the moral panic, and then we have the, a moral panic over television, right? Like this, and this was this was kind of that moral panic over television where she has these assigned duties as a housewife, right? She has these responsibilities as a housewife, yeah, right. But she cannot perform them because television is corrupting her. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and so I, it's funny because I got interested in this uh, this morning, and I found a study <laughs> about it. Oh. <laughs> um, it was in uh, the, I'll just go over this real quick. It's called The Moral Imagination in Primetime TV. And it talked about, um, uh, it, it was in the International Journal of Cultural Studies. This is from like 15, 16 years ago. And they talk about how there is these moral panics over like soap operas and sitcoms and stuff in, yeah. in primetime television. And I guess soap operas is on, on primetime and in like daytime TV that, um, that they will, that they're immoral. And they'll yeah. corrupt the morality of the viewer. Right. Right. Um, and so that's kind of a thing that they're, they're addressing here is this, this idea that, that this soap opera corrupted her 
in some way, yeah. right? But what they find out in the study, they went through and they watched a bunch of popular TV shows and they ranked them like what what kind of morality are they talking about in these shows? And they actually found out that most TV shows most of the time reinforce standard morality. Oh, yeah, hell yeah, yeah, you know, like you know things like uh, family. Oh yeah, and, and like was, was like one of the big ones, or like romantic love. Yeah, or um. Or I think the other ones, the, the democracy, democratic institutions, right. like these things don't television. Television doesn't generally undermine them; they usually support those ideas. Right, right, right. But yeah, cool. so this was kind of a, a moral panic, and that that she was not fulfilling her um, her socially assigned role as a housewife. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. I I do have to defend, like I said a, a few minutes ago, I have to defend Leon here. I. I I think, you know, we always try to analyze, like, who's a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, uh, I think, I, I I think Leon is a dick. Yes. Because he doesn't take his wife's pleas for intimacy seriously. Mm-hmm. But also, she cheated on him. Yeah. And the fact, I mean, I'm just saying, he says, hey, I'm going to win the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Once I'm done with this, you'll have all of me. Just give me this time. Right. And so it's like. He's not setting proper boundaries for himself, as in, like, you know, like his, his work life balance. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, no one's really great in this episode, like, no, as far as a character, like morality. No, but she's not setting boundaries either. Right. Because it, I, I know that you don't have to think that your partner's work is important. You just have to recognize that it's important to, to them. them. Yeah. Right. And respect that and it's, it's important to them. And she did not respect that. Right. But also, I mean, but then again, he wasn't respecting like his, his marriage in a way too, because he wasn't giving it the attention it needed. True, because he was obsessed with work. True, no one's really a good person in this mm-hmm. episode. But I mean, there are worse people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just like I mean, but Janet just straight up cheated on her man. Yeah, you know, yeah. above him. Mm-hmm. To, seriously, but yeah. I mean. It's just so funny. I love this <laughs> episode. I think all the actors do an amazing job. Yeah. They play their roles perfectly. Mm-hmm. You you feel that Leon is obsessed with his work. Yeah. You feel like Abel is trying to get it wet. Uh-huh. And Janet is trying to feel something. Except for that one part where Abel seems confused about what's going on. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> really weird. weird because so like in the scene where she quote unquote calls him for service. Yeah. She's in lingerie. Mm-hmm. When he walks in, He's like, oh, yeah. And then she says, hey, I need this fixed. Yeah. And and then she goes on to say that they're like they're in a frozen world. They're in yeah. loveless lives. And he's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, don't worry about the cable. And then they start kissing. Right. So I, it, I, I, was he playing coy? I, I don't know. because He didn't seem like he was playing coy. He was just being kind of goofy? Yeah. I don't know. He, he's like me anytime that uh, I'm flirted with. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. I'm just completely oblivious. Like, like I, I just realized it like years later. Oh yeah. 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 I've done that where I'm like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. Wait, hang on. Hang Hold on. A second. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did really like that line, even though it was a little out of place of Janet saying that we're two travelers in a frozen loveless world. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a direct quote from the comic. There are a few of those yes. in this. Yeah. I love it. And Absolutely love it. It, it. Like a lot of the, um, we get to the comic here in a second, but there's a lot of narration. Yes. Uh, a lot of the narration is used as lines in the soap opera she watches. Yes. Yeah. There's no soap opera in in the comic. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a whole, they added a, a lot. Yeah. It wasn't that it, it, in the comic, it's not that Janet is obsessed with a, um, 
a soap opera and loses touch with the reality, which I think is part of her problem in this mm-hmm. ep- this episode. Uh, she's just a flanderer. Yeah, I mean, she just takes it too seriously. And, and you know, and it, we'll, we'll get into it here. We'll go ahead and get into it. I've just ne- I've never seen a, a movie or, or fictional character like do something. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do that too. Yeah, because I have a, a reasonable uh, boundaries <laughs> yeah. between fiction and reality. Yeah, but and again, you know what? That's another like uh, another like kind of moral panic around television that people would confuse television with reality. Right. right? I you think know, like, that like I think the kids putting on a Superman cape and jumping off the roof. Right. 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 There was. Oh, I mean, I'll do this. Because if you want to keep this out or not, yeah. you can't. You can keep it in. Yeah, I don't okay. care. But I, it reminded me of, um, as you know, I'm a big Washington Capitals fan, mm-hmm. hockey club. I watch almost every game. And unfortunately, um, our biggest star, Alex Ovechkin, his father passed away. Oh. And he had to like fly to Russia yeah. for the funeral and stuff. Um, and I am a part of uh, a fan group mm-hmm. on Facebook yeah. where we just share opinions, <laughs> yeah. want, you know, whatever. Once you said that, I knew this is not going to go anywhere Dude, good. I, I, cause I have a lot of interest. Like I love the capitals mm-hmm. hockey. I love horror movies. I love comics and I want to interact with other people with the same interest. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> just no, I just don't under, because you know, I, that's a little too harsh, but I, I think most people are, you know, reasonable, reliable mm-hmm. pe- people with heads on the shoulders. Right. But it's just that like 10% of bad apples mm-hmm. where I'm like, really, dude? Yeah. So I log in and everybody's like, oh, you know, RIP, Ovechkin's yeah. dad, we're, you know, best of luck to you, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And one dude posted a picture and says, what does everybody think? I just got my new tattoo. He got a tattoo of Ovechkin's dad's gravestone. Wow. And, and like the whole comment section was like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have tattoos of quote famous people. Right. Um, but it's not because of them. It's because right. the emotional uh, attachment that I have with what they created. Yeah. Like example, I have a Hank Williams Jr. Tattoo mm-hmm. because my mom and I, mm-hmm. your mom had one and it's a family tradition. my mom absolutely loved hank Mm Williams jr and she always wanted to get a hank Hank jr tattoo because of her diabetes she couldn't Mm. so i was like fuck it i'll get one for you yeah you know so it's yeah it's not him it's not hank jr yeah it's you know the love and and Mm -hmm. that i have of music that i share with my mother Mm -hmm. that's one thing but this is like you ain't never met this guy before. He's yeah. not even the person that you're a fan of. Right. He's the dad of the. Right. You know. And I'm like, it's 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 it, that I don't. What is that? I that, can't. That reality bending. It, it's there's a thing called parasocial relationships. Yeah. Where you think like because you watch someone on TV and or listen to podcasts, you hear this a lot around podcasts. Right. That you think that you are friends with somebody or you know somebody. Right. Yeah. And that's just, I've never really experienced that. Um, I mean, I've had good and bad experiences meeting, quote, famous people mm-hmm. or people that have influenced me or that I've been a fan of, mm-hmm. but I've never been like, yeah, they know me. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah. I think that that's a mental health issue. Yeah. It, um, yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. I think it borders on a mental health issue. I'm not yeah. a psychologist, so I can't say for, for right. sure. But, but I mean, one would assume that, you know, in reference, I bring that story up because, 
it, 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 but was this sort of kind of like Janet? Was this dude doing it as a fan, or was he doing it to like make fun? Of no, not Ovechkin. to make fun. It was like a that's bird. Even weirder. No, I know that's it's. It literally said like "rest in peace," and it had his dad's name on a gravestone in Russian. Wow, He's American. Yeah, and it had his birth and death date with like a bird flying over it. Like, like basically, if you know someone that you cared about passed away, you got a tattoo to remember them. And everybody in the comments is like, "Are you the fuck okay?" Wow, that's not that's, normal. That's even weirder. It's so weird, dude. <laughs> it's so weird. And I'm just like, and I'm like, please get help. Yeah, please, please get help. That's yeah. all I often ask people uh, when they're saying something outrageous or stupid online. I'm like, are you okay? Do you need to talk to somebody? I'll right. talk to you. You know, <laughs> DM me. Yeah. You know, just, usually when they, you know, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that to make fun of people who are actually going through a mental health crisis. But oh, usually when they're saying sure. like horrible or racist or bigoted. They, oh, you need, you, 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 you need, need to talk help. to somebody. Right. Yeah. You need some sort of help. Yeah. Uh, you can keep this in if not. It, it's whatever. Right. But um, I just thought that was interesting where it sort of correlates to Janet, mm-hmm. where she. First off, she already has problems in her marriage because yeah. they don't have communication. They don't have boundaries. Mm-hmm. He does not. They don't have uh, a good enough idea of what the other is uh, thinking feeling. or feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she sees this fictional story and says, that's it. She has a, a void in her life. And so she fills it with her imaginary life. She filled it with Abel's yeah. penis. Yes, that too. Yes. <laughs> and it went from, well, because it was because she had that very vivid, very overactive imaginary life, fantasy life. Right. That kind of led her to this because it gave her that, that, um, like I said in the introduction, it gave her that, um, that passionate, uh, romance that's like out of a soap opera. Right. Right. But, uh, the comic is equally as good. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> so this is from Haunt of Fear number 26. When was that published? Do you know? July 1954. Wow. Uh, written by Otto Binder, who we've talked about before. Yep. Uh, huge influential in comics, especially DC comics. Yeah. Back in the day, a lot of Shazam, uh, what we know about Shazam and Superman comes from him. Nice. Um, I, think he, I think he invented Supergirl. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and a lot of a lot around her. Uh, he was also a big UFO buff and wrote a lot of UFO books. Back in the day. He was an early UFO researcher. Yeah, uh, awesome. art by Jack Kamen. We talk about all the time. Uh, and coloring by Marie Severin. Queen. Janet and Leon are two lovers cheating on their respective spouses. They wake one night on Janet, Janet's couch to discover that Janet's husband Abel has discovered their affair, and he's done something to end the affair forever. In a flashback, we see how the affair started. Janet is left alone most nights while Abel is an on-call surgeon. When he isn't working, he's experimenting with a new anesthetic that can preserve the brain for weeks. The lonely Janet meets an equally lonely Leon at a bar, beginning an affair. They think they're getting one over on their respective spouses, but unbeknownst to them, Leon discovers them in the throes of passion. The, The distraught Leon decides it's time to move on from animal testing to human trials. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Um, The biggest note here mm-hmm. is that Leon and Abel's names are switched. Yes. And I, I'm assuming because in the context of 1954, mm-hmm. Abel is uh, more of a biblical name. Yeah. Yeah. And Leon at the time is considered a new name, huh. like new rugged yeah. kind of thing. Huh. And I think they swapped him literally just to make cable jokes. Yeah. I think they did. Table yeah. and cable. Yeah. But uh, in this story, Janet's the same, and Leon and 
uh, Abel's names are swapped. switched, and there is no soap opera subplot. None. Yeah. No neighbor either. Luis isn't yeah, in this. No neighbor. Yeah. It's just the, really the three of them. It's the three of them. Yeah. 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 So let's go. Let's do it. The story is narrated by the old witch, as Haunt of Fear is her book. Janet and Leon's tryst was perfect, with Janet's husband away. Janet and Leon awaken as Janet on Janet's couch. And by the way, this entire scene is from a view from the back of the couch. Yes. And we only see their heads. Leon says, what happened to us? Janet says, oh, Leon, we're ruined. We were so careful and clever. Where did we fail? The old witch narrates and says, what could have Leon done? Let's go back a few weeks. Abel is telling his wife that he has to perform an emergency appendectomy. Janet is upset of another another night alone. Every night Abel is home, he is in his lab working on his new anesthetic. Janet sobs from her loneliness. But one night, Abel is going in for another surgery, and Janet asks him to take a cab so she can take the family car. Abel thinks that it's a great idea and says, go visit your friends or see a show. And Janet says, I'll do something. Don't worry. She goes to the bar right outside of town. She meets a man named Leon, who's also in a loveless marriage. Leon says she's cold and has an unfeeling lack of passion. Yeah. The old witch uh, narrates. They were two lost travelers in a loveless, dark, frozen world clinging to each other for warmth. Yeah. Which is the line that Janet says that, in the episode. What what he's telling her, though, is kind of a common thing when people are looking to excuse having an affair. Which makes me wonder if he was actually sincere. But then at the same time, the old witch's narration, because she's this omnipresent narrator right makes me think that like yes he is being sincere he actually is lonely i think that they're actually they i think they are in mm-hmm. quote loveless marriages yes. and they were just looking for oh, yeah. what, whatever they're looking for yeah now the price that they pay for that for <laughs> ruining their marriages that's one thing <laughs> yeah but they go the first night they're together they go back to janet's place another day janet calls leon to come over and her husband is in the basement for hours Leon says, you're out of your mind, Janet. She explains that they have a light and I don't know why I say it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Janet explains that they have a light outside the basement door and that he will be down there all night. Leon says, oh, I don't like it, but I can't say no. The narrator says, as Abel was exploring the mysteries of medical science, Janet and Leon explored the sweeter mysteries of human emotion. Ooh. That was good. Yeah, that's really good. That's good writing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The light goes out, and Janet tells Leon to leave through the garden. Abel comes up and says, oh, honey, I hope you aren't too lonely as I'm in my research. And Janet says, oh, don't worry, honey, I wasn't. Another night, Leon and Janet are upstairs, and Abel... It, uh, rushed upstairs to tell Janet of his medical discovery, but neglects to turn off the light. And he sees them together. But not revealing himself, Abel is shattered and goes into the basement and he thinks of divorce. But he sees his animals that he just successfully performed surgery on and says, of course, how simple. <laughs> the next day, Abel tells Janet that he'll be gone until Tuesday. He's taking uh, his new anesthetic to the Mayo Clinic for trials. 
Abel hides leaves, but instead of going to where he says he's going, he hides as Janet takes Leon home that night. Abel tiptoes behind them and covers their mouths with rags. Abel says, my new anesthetic, fast, sure, and effective. <laughs> Abel takes them to the basement and performs surgery on them and keeps them under until their healing is completed. Weeks pass, and they wake up next to one another with swapped bodies. <laughs> Janet says, it's ruined. How could I ever want you? Leon says, I know, Janet. The wow. Witch, yeah. And the old witch narrates, they they lost their heads over each other. But where's Abel? Oh, don't worry. He's still at large. He's mad. Stark raving. Yes. The end. So, w- w- But they say what he's doing. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He, I, I mean, he's still, he's on the loose. He's on the loose. And they know they can track where he is because he draws mustaches on pictures of women. <laughs> I think that was a little thing to, to, um, to, to let the reader have an imagination to where if they ever see that. Yes. They go, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. It's the doctor. <laughs> yeah. The doctor you know? was here. Yeah. Right. Um, which I think is super clever. Yeah. Uh, they made writing. this, they, they made this boogeyman. Yes. Kind of, sort of. Um, and this this was definitely more streamlined, streamlined, yes, for sure. Um, and this is this is why it's called spoiled, because yes. he spoils their relationship by switching their heads, yes, because be- they cannot be attracted to each other now. Because Janet says that their love is ruined. Yes, yeah, um, but it makes no sense in the episode. Yeah, because she doesn't say that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, it's pretty interesting the differences for sure. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about before, we've mentioned it a million times. There was a uh, large, deep injection <laughs> of sleaze in the TV oh, show as compared to the comic. <laughs> yeah, because they try to make the affair romantic in the comic. Yes. Yeah. They do. I mean, yeah. I mean, they do. I don't, I don't want to say they make it romantic in the TV episode. It's definitely no. more, uh, I don't know, erotic Yes. Rather than romantic? Yes. Is the best way it's to put more, it? It's more lust than romantic. Yes. These are, in the comic, it's two people who are lonely finding each other. Right. Regardless of the ethics behind it. And in the in the show, they are just wanting to bone. They're just trying to smash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a short story, really. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I know we talked about before that there's certain stories that benefit or uh, get their quality reduced based on how HBO treats the story. Yeah. Uh, for this, I think it's a knockout it, it, for it's, HBO. It's a benefit. Yeah, this is one of the best episodes of the season, if not one of the best episodes so far of the series that we've covered. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I think this is an S-tier story. The comic is good, but the 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 way the lines are... I love that kind of pseudo-erotic like campiness yeah. with puns. Yeah. I just... I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. I like, I just, it's so funny to I me. like the idea that they're they're dancing around what they want yes even while they are being explicit in the, what they want yeah. yes yeah we can't say it because it'll make it too real then we can do it but saying it give it giving it voice will that's, make it too real that's interesting yeah. look at it wow so this this the thing of head transplants that's been something people have been chasing for like over a hundred years now really yeah so this is gonna get weird you want to get weird let's it's, get weird i mean we're already getting weird. well yeah so Back in 1908, there was an American doctor named Charles Claude Guthrie. That's a name. Yeah. Um, he um, 
he was the first one to tr- try to do a head transplant. He did the oh a head transplant of one dog onto another dog. Wait. That was still intact, so he gave a dog two heads. Oh God! Um, and there was some reflexes when it woke up, but it, then it died like within hours. As you right? do. Um, uh, but they um, but um, then there was a um a a, a Soviet surgeon in the nineteen fifties named Vladimir Dimikov, okay, who actually was one of the pioneers of coronary bypass surgery. Oh, right. So he did really important work. Like people are alive today because of the work he did. Oh, wow. So he also tried putting a dog's head, a severed dog's upper half on an intact dog. And um, he actually got to survive. One of them, he actually got to survive for 29 days. Wow. And they would have, they would react to stimulus and stuff and eat whatever. Mm. Yeah. For 29 days. And then they died because they're the organ rejection. Oh, um, but then um, there was a dude in the '60s named Robert White, and um, he also experimented with dogs. But then uh, he experimented with uh, monkeys, Uh-oh. and he used that deep freeze process we were talking about. Yes, to uh, remove the heads and keep the the brain alive. Right when he switched the heads, and these actually he was able to keep them alive for a few days. Wow. Like that. And they would, they would like react. They were conscious and yeah, That's it's, creepy. it's horrific and weird. Um, and th- this has happened, uh, every few years since then. Right. Um, like there was, um, a Chinese scientist who was doing it with mice mm-hmm. and he got them to live up to six months. Jeez. Yeah. Um, then there was this doctor, this Italian doctor named Sergio Canavero. Okay. Right. And I will show you a picture of this dude afterwards. All right. He looks like a comic book supervillain. He looks exactly like the kind of guy that you would think would do this. Generic evil scientist so number four. He claimed he claimed success in doing a head transplant because he was like, I successfully ha- tra- transplanted the head of one corpse onto another. Yeah. Well, people have been doing that since Dr. Frankenstein. That's no big yeah, deal. Right? right. Who cares? Um, but then he said he established a protocol to do it. And he found a guy in like 2015 who um, this guy who had this disease um, that was causing his body to uh, degenerate. Mm-hmm. Right. And this guy was basically like, I'm going to die anyway. So I might as well try this experiment. They were going to transplant this guy's head onto another body with an intact spinal cord. Right. He's like, but, it might not work, but I'm dead anyway. So but the but the body that he was his, his a, donated, was to- a donated body. Oh, so yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, a don- a so he's body. essentially putting his head on a corpse. Yeah, yeah, he put his head on a corpse, like a body that had recently died and that they had, they had preserved through these deep freeze techniques, and they oh. had kept alive, quote unquote, through like machines and drugs. Right, right. Um, so they're going to try to transplant this guy's head to this other body. However, the, it was supposed to happen in 2019, but he, the guy, the patient, backed out of it because in, in the meantime. From between 2015 and 2019, he married and had a baby. He's oh. like, I have something to live for now. Right. He's like, I, he's like, even if the surgery was successful, I cannot be away from my family for like months on end while right. like, I recover. Yeah. 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 I hope he's doing okay. I hope he's doing okay too. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's been done. And this was actually the plot of the second X-Files movie. Really? Yeah. That's cool. They even have a dog with two heads at one point. That's fine. Yeah. That's great. Um. So... Like we mentioned, this hopefully you uh, enjoyed this episode as much as we did. It's hilarious and wacky. Next time, though, 
it's gonna go hard. <laughs> yes, real. It's hard. not campy. It ain't campy. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's on the other end of the spectrum. Yes, and I fucking love it. Yes, and it, we could say it goes out with a bang. Who boy? Several bangs. You're so good. <laughs> I love you, Bruce. That episode's called Yellow, which yes, is, it is episode 14 of season three. The season finale. The season finale. Yeah. Hey, three seasons down. Three seasons down. Wow. Almost that was the worst high five I've worst, ever given. Well, I am no so one was sorry to hear about it because we didn't make the smack. <laughs> Just <laughs> let's do it again. Okay, there we go. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Hey, thank you for guiding me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta look at the elbows, man. <laughs> um, anyway, we, uh, so we have social media. We do have social media. Where can they find you, Ryan? This is you, falling off the rails it, quickly. Hey, we, you gotta, know what? we gotta wrap this up quick. Listen, if you're listening to this at this point. And you've listened you know, to you, you know how this ends up. Yeah. How this goes. It's just two dudes shooting the shit. Yeah. But you can catch me at Whore Ryan on uh, Twitter. You can also catch uh, the podcast at Crypt Keepers Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Mr. Spooky Bruce on Twitter. And you can uh, email us uh, at Crypt Keepers Show at the gmail.com. Please, I don't know this part because you <laughs> oh, usually say hey, it. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please leave a rating and review and share it on social media. We want to thank you so much for listening. And once again, don't lose your head, kids. That, that's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> nice. <laughs>